So this is Robert coming to thank us as opposed, he was like going to do a video or all that other stuff. Redemption Hill. It was going to be a simple video, to be yeah. clear. It wasn't going to be an elaborate video. Yeah. It was going to be Whatever. simple. Whatever. <laughs> no, um, no he was, he's been in Boise forever. Him and I had the opportunity to do a bunch of youth ministry stuff together. I was thinking about it while I was sitting back there, and we've known each other for 17 years. Yeah. Yeah, so that makes That's, me like 26, 27. Yeah, yeah. right in there. Yeah, we met in junior high. Um, yeah, and so we've known each other for a long time. He left, went to Boston. He's um, a Red Sox fan, so you can apologize to him later for that. But um, he is back after being at a church there for a long time. They've sent him here, and he's ready to plant in Boise. So why don't you tell the rest of the story that I just stole from you? Sorry. Well, first, <laughs> I, I want to say thank you. Thank you for being a part of the Redemption Hill journey. Um, about a year and a half ago, my wife and I just started to pray and says that God was calling us to move back to Boise and be a part of what God was doing here. And when we when we thought about going and meeting with pastors in Boise, my thought was that they would be polite and then they would tell us to stay away from their people. That was my expectation. But what happened was when we came back and we started meeting with people that we had known, without fail, every single one of them said, we're glad you're here. How can we help? What can we do to make this work for you? And that's just been a huge piece of our story is the body of Christ here in Boise has said we want to send and we want to multiply and we want to see people reached. And so it's yeah. just been great. We've kind of built a little network of pastors that are starting to say, how can we plant more churches? So thank you for being a part of that journey. We have, um, we've had three months of preview monthly services. Today's our, our last one. We're going to meet as a launch team over the summer and then our, our public launch will be the second week of September. We've got right around 60 people mm -hmm. who are a part of our launch team and we're, we're getting ready. Uh, yeah. So that's, that's where we're at in our you gotta, We got a picture of your family too. Yes, I think, right? we do. Don't forget that. So yeah. it was winter. This wasn't last week. Um, <laughs> That's our little guy, Theo and Elsie, and then my wife, Malia, um, who they couldn't be here today because they have to do church this afternoon, so I didn't You wanna... say it was winter, but you're really hipster. You are probably dressed like that in August. Yeah, that was actually yeah. in yeah. August. Yeah, we, we, we wanted to make sure everybody knew that we had sweaters. I don't, yeah. know. I don't know why we would do that, but that's what we did. Wait, to digress. So thank yeah. you for, for letting us partner with us, guys. Thank you for giving to Redemption Hill. I wanted you guys to be able to meet the pastor, see him, be praying for him because, like you said, last service, there's still kind of like West Downtown, Boise, West Bench kind of area is what they're looking for. God still hasn't shown you a facility to connect in yet, right? So yeah, so we're working hard at that. That's like right now, everything is going towards figuring out where we're going to meet. Um, one of my mentors, as we've been training in church planning, he, he said, there's going to be lots of battles along the way, but the biggest spiritual battle is real estate. <laughs> so as, as you guys have, have probably felt with, yeah. with Rev22. So I want to say thank you for your prayers. Thank you for your gift. And if you would be praying for us to find a space and that God would be with us in the season, it's been, it's been a hard season for a lot of our families as we've stepped out by faith. We've just had <laughs> tragedy so after much. hardship, yeah. after surgery, after cancer, after heart attack. It's just been this like... He's not, these are not exaggerations. Like all of those yeah. instances have happened. Yeah, it's just been a crazy season. So uh, if you'd pray for us. RedemptionHillBoise.org? RedemptionBoise.org. RedemptionBoise.org. You yep. can get on there and get the prayer request updates as well. They're on Facebook as well. So thank you so yeah. much. Can I pray for you Please, before you Please, that'd sermon? be awesome. Yep. Right. Lord God, thank you for Bren. Thank you for Rev22 and their partnership in helping us launch Redemption Hill and Lord God, we pray for the family, the, the body of Christ here in Boise. We pray that you'd give us unity. You'd mm -hmm. give us care, and um, you'd, you'd even put each other on our minds to pray for each other's pastors and churches. And we pray, God, for a great movement, that your spirit would be at work, drawing people to yourself, and that we wouldn't miss out on the opportunities that are around us. 
Lord God, I, I pray for Rev 22 that you'd bless them with a deep sense of your abiding presence mm. and also a call, a deep call to go and be a part of what you're doing here in Boise. Lord God, as Brent preaches today on, on spiritual warfare and on Ephesians 6, may he be anointed with your spirit's covering, with your spirit's presence and, and comfort. And um, Lord God, we, we just pray in this moment that he would be anointed to preach your word in a powerful way. And God, give each of us as we listen soft, supple hearts that are ready to hear your word and be transformed by it in its hearing. And we pray, God, that we wouldn't miss out on the thing you're trying to do this morning in our hearts. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Amen. Thanks. Thanks, Robert. Yeah, yeah, thank you, yeah. Um, yeah, I still keep looking in the Bible for competition in the church, and I have yet to find it. So I, it's just not there, I don't think. So I think being unified is a better way to go about it. It's actually with a, a fairly heavy heart, or slightly heavy heart, I should say, that we are at the scripture we're at today. Mainly because it's a, it's a, it's a bit of scripture that I think um, all of us have a knee-jerk reaction to. Whether we've been in the church for a little while or a long time, whether we've experienced something along these things. When I, when I say the word spiritual warfare, every single one of us goes to some spot. We go to a spot where we, maybe fear starts welling up in us, or we go to a spot where we like start geeking out and be like, all right, this is going to be awesome, I'm excited. Or we start thinking about certain experiences. And, and I made, a, a, a few years ago, I made a commitment. I do it kind of every year, and it was it was that that year I committed to over-spiritualize everything because I felt like for a long time I was under-spiritualizing things and I was, I was not aware of what was going on. But the scripture we're in today, we were just told last week by the Apostle Paul to, to be strong in the Lord. And we said that the, that the reason we need to be strong in the Lord, he's going he's gonna to give us in these next two verses, Ephesians chapter 6, um, verses 11 and 12. If you need a Bible, just slip your hands up and the ushers will grab one for you. Otherwise, mobile device, you can turn with me there. This is just prior to him going in to what the actual armor of God is. And so this is the end we talked last week about. He says, finally, finally, brothers and sisters, as we're, as we're kind of landing the plane in the book of Ephesians, as we're coming this way, he says a very um, specific thing. And he reminds us of a very specific thing that I believe most of us today are unfortunately very, very unaware of. We, we actually struggle to believe in this as a whole. We struggle to, to understand what it means for us, how it plays out. And so what we're going to do is hopefully shed some light a little bit on this through the scriptures today um, and identify kind of uh, some of our views. But before we do that, I have to remind you, you already have kind of this, this, this idea, this, this thought pattern, this brain like trench that goes, okay, when he said spiritual warfare, you automatically went there. And I, I want to just, just challenge you on that. To not, maybe it's not, it may not be wrong, but just listen today and understand maybe there are areas where you have, you have made light of or made too much of, or maybe you're operating in fear. Some of you hear this right now and you're thinking, oh man, I'm, I'm, I'm scared about what may come out of this. Um, you, you wrestle with these things. So I want to just, I want to encourage you to not just jump back to what you've always known. Let's look at this kind of from a, a big view. Um, the Ephesians, Ephesians 6, again, he told us to be strong in the Lord and that our strength is in him and not in our own. And so last week we spent a lot of time talking about our only strength, our only hope is Jesus Christ. We don't have any strength in ourselves. In fact, we need to be weaker so that he can be stronger. And so he goes on, he says, after this, he says in verse 11, put on the whole armor of God, which we're going to spend breaking that down for the next few weeks after this. He says, that you may be able to stand against the schemes of the devil. 
For we do not wrestle against flesh and blood, but against the rulers, against the authorities, against the cosmic powers over this present darkness, against the spiritual forces of evil in the heavenly places. And so the Apostle Paul lays this out. Last week I, I used the, the scripture Joshua. Where I talked about how Moses had, had, had passed on, had died, and, and God comes to, to Joshua and says, my servant Moses is dead. And he says, now, now you lead these people. You take on these people. I will not let anyone take you down. He was talking specifically about the armies and, and the, the, the people that he was going to have to conquer. So the majority of the battle and the war was with, with humans, with, with people going against this. But the Apostle Paul tells us here, he says, look, our war, our battle, our fight is not against flesh and blood. Our battle is against something that is so much greater than this. And see, I think a lot of us have a picture when we think of even Satan or we think of evil, we have the picture of, you know, have you ever seen like, you know, where the, the angel shows up on the shoulder and then the little pitchfork, you know, kind of thing with the, the tail? Like we kind of have that little cartoon character of this is what the spiritual world is. We believe wholeheartedly that, that maybe there's something there, but it's just kind of a cartoon thing that we don't really have to worry about. And so what I wanted to do is, is, is real quickly um, quote C.S. Lewis and then we'll go further in this. He says, there are two equal and opposite errors into which our race can fall about the devils. One is to disbelieve in their existence. The other is to believe and to feel an excessive and unhealthy interest in them. They themselves are equally pleased by both errors and hail a materialist or magician with the same delight. I would also add fear. Some of us just, when it comes to this stuff, we're so freaked out about it, we just run. I don't know what this is. I don't even want to deal with it. And we just kind of, let's just avoid it. Let's just pretend like it's not there. All of those are an error when we understand what the Apostle Paul is telling us. He's telling us very specifically, hey, your, your, your battle, your war isn't, isn't with flesh and blood. It's with the rulers and the authorities and the, and the spiritual level. This is key for us to understand. If you are ever going to go to war, you need to know your enemy. If you have any chance of, 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 of standing in that, of, of, of winning in that, of going forward, then you have to understand who your enemy is. Now, we're not going to spend a bunch of time talking about evil because evil is already lost. But either way, let's, let's share a little bit of things. First off, a lot of us go, we can't see it, so it must not exist. Okay, well, you've heard of gravity. Well, we can't see gravity, but we know it exists, especially if you have any kids. Like, they hit their head all the time, right? Like, like you, just, you just see gravity working against them all the time. I think that's why they're born so small, so it's not as long a fall. But either way, they, you, you see it in that way. Um, air, we, we know that air is there. We, we breathe it. Uh, maybe another one would be um, our wireless internet, right? Like, it's just like flying around and working, and all of you have internet in the, hands of your, in the palm of your hand. We know that these things are there, but we can't always see them. And so a lot of times, because we don't see it, we will then just displace it and say it's not there, but that's not true either, and we understand that. Um, in fact, uh, Satan, as we talk about that, is, in, is all over the Scripture. Um, he, he is, uh, he's very real. We see his story in Isaiah 14, Ezekiel 28, and Revelations 12. He first shows up in Scripture in Genesis as a snake. We see him come on there. Jesus speaks about him in Luke and John. Jesus speaks to him in Matthew. The Apostle Paul, Peter, James, and John, and the author of Hebrews all speak of him as a personal being. Satan means adversary. That shows up 52 times in Scripture. Devil. Uh, means a slander, and that shows up 35 times. In fact, if we think about it, th he's a very real, real, real thing. And there's the old French poet that said, you know, I think Kevin Spacey made it famous in his little usual sex movie. The biggest, best trick the, the devil ever played was to, to make you think he didn't exist. Right? And so th this, this reality is, is that, okay, we have to face the, the truth of this, is that, that, that 
that there is evil. In fact, if we just think about our own lives, it's not really hard to recognize that there is. We see in us our propensity, our desires for evil. We've seen it in this world. We've seen it in our families. We've seen it in friends. To assume that it's not there is just foolishness. The scriptures teach the opposite. In fact, most of us fail to realize, one scholar wrote it this way, he's failed to realize who we are fighting against, assuming the everyday conflicts of life have little to do with spiritual matters. We tackle conflicts, despair, trials, and tribulations by shooting from the hip. We make immediate assumptions and rely on our instinct, not realizing we are blind in the shooting, aiming at the broken people around us instead of discerning the underlying plan of the evil one. In one way or the other, Satan plans to kill, steal, and destroy from everyone involved, especially from God, who should get the glory from our lives. First Peter tells us that we are to be sober-minded, be watchful. Your adversary, the devil, prowls around like a roaring lion, seeking someone to devour. It doesn't take us long to realize that, that the, the purpose and the desire of the enemy is to destroy us. But I think it takes us really long to actually live as though he's actively doing that. We find from the scripture a couple things. First off, we, we see in the scripture that that the word schemes is actually like an organized to, to, to create a plan and then to follow through with it. To create a plan and then to walk through with this plan. To, it's, it's an organized thing. We see that there's some form of, of hierarchy in, in the enemies. We know that it's not just Satan by himself, but it is a fixed number of, of spiritual beings that are at work to destroy everything. And so we see that there's an organization to them. There's, a, there's an intentionality to them. And when we lose, which I think the Apostle Paul is, is, is telling us, look, all of this stuff, all this groundwork we've laid from the first three chapters of our identity being and being seated with Christ and how we walk in a manner worthy. Now I'm going to teach you how to stand in this, how to fight in this battle. In light of, of, of our seated position with Christ and walking in a worthy manner, I'm going to show you how you can stand in this. Ultimately, we begins with the strength of the Lord. Then he goes into what the armor of God truly means. The idea in Ephesians is that the devil is an intelligent being that carefully strategizes plans against the church, God's plan of redemption and individual believers. He does not desire for things to move forward in God's glory. We see it in Scripture. There's two, two Scriptures I just want to talk about real quickly, and then we'll pull them back. There's, there's 2 Kings where, um, where there's this... Uh, there's a Syrian uh, king is trying to take out Israel, right? He's, he's, he's trying to get Israel, and he can't, he can't seem to, every time he makes a, a plot or a decision, uh, Elisha goes before the Lord and see, has a vision, and then he warns the Israel kings, and they move. And so the Syrian king is super upset, and he's like, is there not anyone of, in, our, in our midst that speaks to the Lord or speaks to God and knows us? And they all say, well, it's, it's this man, Elisha. He speaks for Israel. And so the Syrians decide, okay, we're going we're gonna, to we're gonna destroy Elisha so that we can destroy Israel. But to do so, we gotta, we're going to sneak in. So overnight, they, they surround Elisha. They surround his camp, and everything's around him, and everything is kind of closing in, and, and they're all there. And, his, and Elisha's servant wakes up. He wakes up in the morning, kind of stretches, looks out, and he sees that they are fully surrounded by a massive Syrian army. And he panics, and he wakes up Elisha. He's like, Elisha, Elisha, look, look where in this. He's just, he's, just, he's just freaked out of his mind. And, and Elisha says to him, oh, don't be afraid. Verse, this is 2 Kings 6, 16 through 17. 
said to him, do not be afraid, for those who are with us are more than those who are with them. Now, if I was a servant, it's not to be made unnamed, I'd be like, um, yeah, there's two of us here, Elisha, <laughs> and a lot of them. Like, I'm not really sure how much, I mean, I, I mean, I'll take on two, maybe three tops. And so then Elisha does something unbelievable. Then Elisha prayed and said, oh Lord, please open his eyes that he may see. He's praying for a servant. Open his eyes so he may see. And so the Lord opened the eyes of the young man, and he saw, and behold, the mountain was full of horses and chariots of fire all around Elisha. See, Elisha, as a prophet, has, has had the ability to see. I, I will say this. I have experienced other believers in my life that have seen things that are not natural. They would be supernatural. So to assume that it's not happening, to assume that it's not there, is, 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 is a, a win for the enemy in our lives. Second one, just a short one, is Daniel chapter 10. Um, Daniel gets this vision from the Lord, and he's, he's super troubled by the, what it may mean. And he's, so he starts praying to God. He's like, God, show up. God, show up. God, show up. What is going on? What is going on? What is going on? And you have to read the story. It's a long, all of chapter 10. And he's, he's, for 21 days, he prays faithfully. Lord, what does this vision mean? Like, what I'm feeling like it means is, is really, really tough. And then an angel shows up to Daniel. And the first, the first thing the angel says, I'm, I, we have heard your prayers. I wanted to get here sooner, but I was fighting with the prince and the powers. So this angel spent 21 days fighting to get to Daniel. Now that's not a pre prescriptive thing for every prayer we have, but for us to assume that there's never any interference in that way when, it's, when we see it biblically, it says it wasn't until the angel Michael showed up that helped me Help me get away that I can come and give you this message and I can't stay long because I have to go back and fight. There is a battle going on right now. There's a battle going on right now. So there's a couple things we can take from this. First thing is you should plan on being attacked. Pl plan on it. If you, if you profess the name of Jesus, if you, if you surrender yourself to him, plan on being attacked. Because the reality is, is that you are an affront. You are in opposition to what he desires to do because you are, you are aligned yourself with what Jesus Christ is here to do. And so you are a threat to that. It's why Robert was talking about praying before he goes. They've had like heart attacks. I mean, massive health issues. Like the enemy is pressing hard against his team. Why? Because the last thing the enemy wants is another beacon of light in this place, sharing the hope of Jesus Christ. This is a very real, real thing. Um, in fact, I have a couple stories. Personally, once I was really young, I was dumb in, in youth ministry, and um, we were in Mexico, and one of the boys was, um, he just got super, like, he's like, started getting sweat, and I was like, uh oh, he's got the explosive diarrhea. Sorry, that's what it usually was, because the tacos or whatever, like, he's getting sick, like, he's gonna go, so he goes in the bathroom, right? Like, it's just, it's just gonna happen. Sorry, buddy, like, hold on, it's gonna, you know, it'll be over soon, <laughs> but he, he won't come out of the bathroom. He won't come out of the bathroom. He won't come out of the bathroom. He won't be, he's in there for about an hour. And finally, I'm like, okay, I'm, I'm going in. And I walk in, and he is just a, the sweetest, most amazing, like, godly boy ever. Like, this is the kind of, the kind of guy he was who I hope my daughters would marry. Like, that's, that's who this kid was. And I walk in, and I'm like, what's going on? He's pale and sweating and shaking. He's like, I don't know what's wrong. I don't know what's wrong. I don't know what's wrong. He's just overcome with anxiety. I don't know what to do. I'm like, I, you're like, does your stomach hurt? You need some, like, Pepto-Bismol? What's going on? Like, I'm confused by what's going to happen. And so I just start praying for him. And as I pray for him, in the name of Jesus, his sweats go away. His anxiety drops. He gets up. He's like, man, I don't know what was going on. I was so, so afraid. I was so scared. 
I have another story. I was on vacation actually at Dan's house when he was in McCall. And I got a call from a couple that um, her husband was just so anxious. He couldn't, couldn't do anything. He's so scared. They've been battling for a long time. They don't know what's going on. They don't know what's going on. She finally just called. And she's like, I'm so sorry to bother you, but I don't know what's going on. So we just prayed over the phone. So we have to pray. We have to pray because something is happening. I don't know what. I don't care. I just know that ultimately God is bigger than whatever's happening to him. And so we prayed and he calmed down. Things were great and had a conversation with him afterwards. And I got back in town. Like, man, that was so weird. I don't know what was happening. I can't explain it. It doesn't make sense. Now, I want to I be really clear about one thing. As a believer in Jesus Christ, as someone that's submitted to him as Lord and King, we do not see biblically anywhere anyone being possessed. Okay? We do not see a believer in the scriptures. We don't have that. We don't see that. We, we see influence. We see heavy influence, but we do not see possession there. So I want to just be clear of that because I think some people would love to teach that everyone can be possessed in that way, and that is just not true because if the Spirit of God lives in you, he's not going to share his space with him. Right? He's not going to share his space with the enemy, and that's why he's fighting against your flesh all the time. So we see that this is real. Um, spiritual attacks will be physical, emotional, spirit, um, spiritual, subtle, overt, um, actual authorities in towns and cities who try to prevent Christians from spreading the message. We see that in other countries. Persuaded to invest time and energy in irrelevant side issues or to become fascinated by distorted teachings. Temptations of money, sex, power, pride, to name a few. Like these will come in any way, shape, or form. Now, I'm not just saying just because at this moment of pride, oh, I'm under attack. It might just be truly that your flesh is just desiring pride. So we can't overdo it, but we have to understand that there is an element of attack. There is an element of this. Now, as we hear this, and I can, sometimes I feel like the air has been sucked out of the room, um, it doesn't stop there. Let me just say that. It doesn't, doesn't stop there. In fact, in fact the, the notion of doing battle with Satan and the powers of darkness may seem a frightening prospect. And indeed, to take on such a formidable foe simply with one's own resources would be a disaster. We would be fatally unprotected and exposed if it were not for God's strength and his armor. So just as true as the enemy's attacks are, we have something that is just as true and even more powerful than that. And we see that in a few scriptures. Just name a few. Here's Colossians 2, 13 through 15. And you, speaking of us, who were dead in your trespasses and the uncircumcision of your flesh, so you that were not, were not, were not alive for God. You were, you were actually a part of this world before Christ. God made alive together with him, having forgiven us all our trespasses by canceling the record of debt that stood against us with its legal demands. Then he set aside, nailing it to the cross in Jesus Christ. And this is, this is the part. He disarmed the rulers and authorities and put them to open shame by triumphing over them in Christ. He's been one in Christ. We have, we have a victory in Christ. Christ has stepped in and, and, and done away with what the enemy can hold against you. See it also in, in 1 John 4, 4. Greater is he who is in you than he who is in this world. The Christ in us is greater than any, any of these demons or evil spirits or whatever is running around. Christ is greater. And in his name, they have to flee and run. We must move in confidence in that. Another one, James 4, 7. Submit yourselves, therefore, to God. The submission we've been talking about, right? Submit to him. Resist the devil. Flee the devil. And he will run from you. Now, there's a promise. Resist him. 
Run from him. That means that, let me, just, let me just say this just because I think we should. That means that some of the disgustingly horror, evil movies out there that, that we just like to geek out on, I would flee from those just as a, just as a rule of thumb. Just kind of just, I would probably run from that. Dabbling in any kind of spirit world powers, you got to run from that because there is no neutral thing on this earth. It is either of God or not. Ah, I just was playing. It's just kind of fun. It's just, just a little magic-y stuff. Now look, you got to understand, like, there is, there is evil present desiring to distract, to take us away. But we have hope in God. We have immense hope that he has overcome this. In fact, I have never, ever experienced in any outcoming that I've had, and I'm limited in this, but in any, any level, and if you spent any time in any other world, I talked to a pastor once. Um, he was a pastor in, in Uganda, and I said, hey, do you experience... Um, you know, possession or any of that stuff. He's like, oh, every day. I was like, whoa. <laughs> All right, pastor, tell me. Now, this is a, a good man. He loves the Lord. I'm like, okay, you got to explain that. He's like, every day. I'm like, okay, well, have you ever prayed for someone to be freed from, from that? And then they've been freed, but then they went back, and he's like, no. Wait, one. And I was like, wait, one? You pray for people every single day, but one is the answer? He said, yeah, because that one didn't want the Lord. Is that one didn't want the Lord. It makes you think about all of the, the spirits that, that Jesus cast out prior to, to while he was on the, on the earth walking around. If those individuals did not submit themselves back, submit themselves under God's authority, they left themselves wide open for more attack. And this pastor, pastor, he was like, he's like, I've only ever experienced one, but it's because he did not want the hope of Jesus Christ. But everyone else, saw it, experienced it. it, was enough for them to say, I don't want that, I want the hope of Jesus Christ. And they walked with him. I said, has there ever been one that never came out? I said, never. I said, never. With the authority of Jesus Christ, you can. In fact, we have one story. I, I kind of love the story in the scriptures where, where the apostles come back, and like we couldn't, the dad's like, hey, your, your disciples couldn't get this spirit out of my son. They just couldn't do it. And, and they they came back like, you know, black guy beat up because they couldn't get him out. I don't know what happened. Like, they come kind of shameful. Like, we don't know what happened. Well, how, how, did, you, how did you get that one out is the question they ask Jesus after he gets them out. After he gets the spirit out. He says, oh, that one only comes out with prayer. This is why we need the dependence of God. We don't get to do it on our own. It's never a strength. I don't get to stand up and say, like, I am greater than he. No, he who is in me is greater than he. My power is not me, it's him. And so we have to understand that the, the cartoon character of evil is not healthy. The hypersensitive, let's focus and fixate ourselves on everything and, and we gotta like see everything, that's not healthy. And then there's this fear of, I just don't want anything to do with this because I'm so afraid of it, is not healthy either because we can stand on the truth that Christ has defeated that. Now we are in the, the, the already but not yet kingdom as we're working to bring his kingdom here, meaning we are a part of his kingdom, but in the present world right now, there's still plenty of, of, of ugliness, plenty of darkness at work, which is why we're called to be salt and light. You know, this is, this is what's crazy to me, is we're actually called to play part in this. And we don't just get to go, well, I hope that's for those, you know, those people that are, you know, pick on, like, let's just, let's just leave that for the assemblies of God people. Like, let's just really kind of let them really deal with this. No, this isn't a, a denominational thing. The Holy Spirit that raised Christ from the dead lives inside of you. And he is compelling and leading and pushing you to battle by his strength, 
and his work. Why would we ever run from that? We can, we can learn three big things from this scripture, plenty of other things, but I'm just going to hit three for the sake of time. First one is that we are at war. We, we, we are truly at war. And let me just say this. I, this is not a prescriptive statement. And I, I know pastors say this before. But if life is just as easy as possible and you're never, ever, 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 ever under attack or feeling like things just aren't working right, you may be really far from the front line. Not always. There's some times where like, we have to trust that God's goodness sometimes will allow us to just have that season of just, man, I, just, I feel his presence and everything is great. And the, the, the hedge of protection is strong. I also understand that, like, we're at war. Like, the enemy is pursuing to destroy your marriage. Let me, let me say that. He is, he, is, he is actively looking for ways to get you two to start fighting with each other instead of fighting against him together. He is, act, he is actively desiring to make sure that your children run from the Lord. He's actively pursuing churches to start being competitive with each other instead of partnering with one another. He is actively pursuing you to be just discontent with the church as a whole and be like, you know, I just don't need this. Let me say it this way. Some of you in here, you don't know the Lord. You've ran from the Lord or you're hiding from the Lord or you're just frustrated with the Lord or you've been burned by the church. Do you really think that it's your higher level of intellect that has got you to a spot where you can see greater than who God is? Or could it be, and I'm just going to ask, could it be, could it be that the enemy has, has instilled in you a pride in your thinking to put your thinking above what the scriptures say? Because you're just a smart person. And he just continues to fluff that ego, find people that will agree with you, get you out of the way. Do you assume that it's your intellect that got that? We're at war. He plans on destroying. The second thing we can get from this text is we absolutely need God. We desperately need God. We have no hope in this without the hope of Jesus Christ. And I'm not talking some kind of like, oh, Jesus is my savior for some insurance policy. No, I need him here with me today. I need him to walk into this conversation with my wife so that I don't attack her. We need God. Not as some thing that we just put on the shelf so that when life gets hard, we can call on him. No, we need him to actively be pursuing us and to lead us into actively running into this battle. There is no doubt in my mind, no doubt in my mind, that Robert right now with the stage he's at is, is probably got more weight on his shoulders than he's ever had. Even though he's been a pastor to church, he's done that because right now what he's doing is, is it's a movement, it's life, it's a birth, it's, it's an addition to the kingdom work. So we should be avidly praying for him and Redemption Hill. As you should be, please, pleading for me and every pastor. But you should be doing the same for your own home. We need God. Our only hope is to stand and fight in this, is to align ourselves to the only one that has the power to defeat the enemy. And then the third thing that we, we learn from this is that I think we need to operate with just a little bit more urgency in our step. Do you ever think about that? I, I just keep, I've been really wrestling with that lately, where I feel like ultimately, like, if this is our reality, then we should be spending more and more time in prayer. 
Right? If this is the reality, if we realize that this battle is going on, that there's a legion of, of angels fighting, some trying to withhold angels to come and speak to us, because he will speak to us. He does speak to us. Some causing physical ailments or, or, or struggling or our family members maybe being held down by the darkness of this world. There should be some urgency in our step. We should be on our knees before the Lord on a daily basis pleading for God to do what he came to do in and through us. There should be a lot more urgency. We need to spend more energy to scheme for the kingdom of God because the enemy is obviously scheming against it. We should be planning and working and prayerfully considering. One scholar says this way. He said, mention of the schemes of the devil reminds us of the trickery and the subterfuge. I had to look that up, okay? just means devious plans. By which evil and temptation present themselves in our lives. Evil rarely looks evil until it accomplishes its goal. It gains entrance by appearing attractive, desirable, and perfectly legitimate. It is a baited and camouflaged trap. It's not like, look, there's times where you're going to sit and you're going to be like with that boy in the bathroom in Mexico and be like, this is obviously something going on that I don't get. But most of the time, it's these subtle little choices of us not being submitted to God. These subtle little relational choices of, of maybe pushing the boundary there. Yeah, yeah, you know, you guys are almost married. You like each other a lot. Let's just, let's just push this boundary. What's the enemy doing? He's trying, to, he's trying to ruin the witness. God can redeem, but he's trying to ruin that witness. It's these subtle little choices. Well, I know what Scripture says about alcohol, but you know what? Like, ah, I'm free in Christ. We use our freedom as liberty to just be sinful. It's subtleties. Another massive pitfall, pitfall that would come from this scripture is that we would assume we have to do this alone. One of the areas I see this now, this is just very super practical for you. A lot of people, when you hear this, you start thinking about this. Some of you may go, okay, I really want to understand this. And as you go in your gospel communities, you might start having conversations. You, you have to have these conversations with, with other people in the community of God. Because what will happen is if you get super fixated on it, you'll get so, so kind of down this narrow trail that you'll, you'll pretty soon be really far off. And people are like, what is, what is going on? And you're just hypersensitive. The pitfall is that we don't allow what we're feeling or sensing to be run through other followers of Jesus. We assume that, that what we're doing is we must do it alone. And it's like, okay, well, I'm on the front line, so I must battle this alone. Well, that's stupid. You don't battle alone. And so you can't do this on your own. The second thing is that I, I want to say this, is that some of you right now, you're hearing this stuff, and you're like, oh, man, like, where has this been happening in my life or hasn't been happening? I think that's a good question to ask. But let me, let me, let me just do this. Let me, don't go ask the Lord, like, God, show me more of your evil. No, this is what you want to ask. You say, God, show me more of you. Now, there's, a, there's an underlining promise in that, and I've experienced this in my life even recently. When you ask God to see more of him, the enemy's going to show you more of himself. And if we do not have each other, if we do not have the truth of God's word, if we do not have his spirit alive in us and filled in us, then we are sitting ducks for this battle. So when I say urgency, those of you that have family or friends or brothers or sisters that don't know the Lord, think about it. They are literally walking under dominion of Satan. That's what the scriptures teach. 
They need, they need Jesus Christ to have a hope, to have, a, to have life and joy. And so as the, the band comes up and we get ready to worship some more, I want to I wanna challenge you with a couple things. One is, if you are, if this is something where you're like, man, I've been experiencing something for a very, very long time. Um, James tells us that the prayers of a righteous person, that is someone right standing before God, heal much. So if you've been feeling this ailment or this, this, this block, um, I had recently actually with Robert when I was at a conference, I felt like God truly broke me of a fear that I've been carrying for a very long time. I didn't know I was carrying it. I didn't know it was, it was affecting the ministry. I didn't know it was affecting my, my marriage and kids. And nothing terrible, nothing horrible, but I just was walking with this overarching fear of man. And it was in that setting that God had broken that from. And I, I tell you, it's like veils were lifted off. And all of a sudden, I could see things in a drastically and more beautiful and different way. We're all susceptible to being influenced. It's really easy for us to, to, to fall kind of to the, 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 the mold of the world and just kind of with the stream. My, my encouragement would be, invite your communities to pray for you. And believe, you know that story about the son that they didn't, that didn't get, you know, they couldn't get the demons out of, they couldn't get the possession out of him. You know, they, they come back and he, Jesus, in a moment of kind of frustration, is like, how long am I going to be with you people? I, I think that was just kind of him being sarcastic. But either way, one of the things he says is, is, you just have to believe. And the father says the most beautiful thing ever. I love this statement. He says, I believe, help my unbelief. I think a lot of us need to understand that. We believe in you, God. We believe that you can do what you say you're doing, but help our unbelief. And maybe he just answers that for you this week. Maybe it's, a, it's, it's just a relational thing, an emotional thing, a physical thing, whatever it may be, God, I, I am, I'm hoping that God does something beautiful in you. And when you experience the attack, you don't run from the Lord. You run to him. You don't run from God's people. You run to God's people. Because there's strength there. Pray, Heavenly Father, you are a good, good, good God. To think that, that we could have the option of walking this world without your hope is just nothing I want, Lord. God, to think that there, are, are, there was a time in my life where I was just a part of the schemes of the enemy, God, thank you for bringing me into your plan. Thank you for bringing me to your, your kingdom and your purposes and your glory. Father, I pray for every individual in here, whether they have walked with you for a very long time or they're still questioning you or maybe they're just frustrated with you. God, I pray that you would show up in a mighty way. I pray, God, I pray that you would show yourself to them in a magnificent way. I pray for them like Elisha prayed for a servant. God, I pray that you'd open their eyes. I pray that you'd open their eyes to everything that you are doing, everything that you are, and everything that you have done and are doing for them. God, we pray against the enemy in Jesus' name, knowing that he has the power the enemy does not. So in our lives where, where maybe it seems like ground has been taken over, we're, we're stepping back on the battlefield, God, we stand firm in your word. And we say, no, not in Jesus' name. He's building his church, his kingdom is happening, and we're a part of that, God. And so we reluctantly, maybe some, somewhat timidly, but hopefully sooner or later confidently step into this battle, recognizing that you are our strength. And you are good. And you are faithful. So God, for the hearts in this room that are wrestling, that are in turmoil, bring peace. 
For the individuals in here that are running from you, God, draw them to you. Help them run into a wall so they have nowhere to turn but to you. I pray as we sing, as we worship God, we do so recognizing that we get to do it in unity as a body of believers that are powered by your spirit that raised Jesus from the dead. It's in his name we pray. Amen.